Okay, let's open our Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, please. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Hallelujah. We're going to begin reading at verse 11 and we'll end at verse 15. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11 through verse 15. When you have it, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, some of y'all still looking for it. Ecclesiastes is right after Proverbs. So Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Right before Song of Solomon. Okay. You still, still can't find it, just on the screen in front of you. So can you say hallelujah? hallelujah? All right, let's read it together. Ready, read. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I know that nothing is better of for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. That which is has already been and what is to be has already been. And God requires an account of what is past. God makes everything beautiful in its time, verse 11. Then verse 15 says, that which, has, that which is has already been, and what is to be has already been, and God requires an account of what is past. We're continuing on this subject, Bright Futures. This is part three, Bright Futures. God, thank you today for the word we're about to receive. I pray, dear Father, that God, you'd anoint these lips of clay, that as I minister the word of God, your people will hear the freshness of your rhema word, Lord, spoken in our hearts, our ears, Lord, in our, in our eyes, that we see the word of God, we can, we can conceive the word of God and grab hold of everything you have for us to, to receive today. Speak from heaven, Father. We hear, we intend to obey and step into the fullness of what you've laid out for us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. All right. That which is has already been and what is to be has already been. And God requires an account of what is past. We're talking about Bright Futures Part 3. Yes, I've been saying to you that no matter how things look in our lives right now, if, that if we stay with God, we have a bright future. We have bright futures ahead of us. How many of y'all believe that? Yes, so don't, don't stop where you are. Whatever you do, I don't care how tough things may be in your life, how big a challenge you may be facing, don't stop where you are. Stay with God. Yes, okay? Now, we looked at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, where Peter says this, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of who? God. Why? That he may exalt you in due time. So when we humble ourselves, we put ourselves in position for God to exalt us, to lift us up, right? Now that word exalt, I gave you the word uh, uh, from, the, from the Greek, hupsou, Hoopsoo, rather, which uh, put that on the screen for me, please. Hoopsoo, which just summarizes, it means to raise to the very summit of opulence and prosperity, right? Yes, to to lift up to uh, dignity and honor and happiness. Yes. We got it. Yes, so that's where God's taking us. Yes, and we saw eighty million dollars for a mansion. They're gonna tear it down. Right. I don't know if they, they're gonna just sell it for profit, uh, but it makes sense. You have to build something better because right. yeah. you're not gonna get profit out of dirt. You got to build something better. 
than what was there. So there's, in other words, he felt that house was not the summit. Okay. Okay. So this is what it says that God will do for us. He will raise us to the very summit of opulence and prosperity. Then it says in due time, that word time I gave you from the Greek word kairos, and we can summarize that as the right time or God's set time. So God has a set time, the right time to bless us, to promote us. Okay? He's going to exalt us in due time. Okay? Remember we read Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything beautiful or he makes everything beautiful in his time. In his time. Got it? Okay, now what I'm trying to get us to do the last few weeks here is to not ever waste our time trying to exalt ourselves. Tell your neighbor, don't waste your time. You don't waste your time trying to exalt yourself. Okay? He says if you humble yourself, God will exalt you in due time. And what happens is if we get frustrated or impatient, we start trying to exalt ourselves. Come on, help me out here. We start trying to exalt ourselves. We start trying, trying to promote ourselves. We start trying to, you know, uh, make our own way. We, and we'll get over into, into fake prosperity. Fake happiness. We're not really happy, but we got to make it look like we're happy. Right? Fake dignity. So we'll, we'll buy things that are out of our season trying to make ourselves something. Um, come over here. We'll go places out of our season trying to make it look like we're something. We'll do things out of our season trying to make it look like we're something. And that's not how we do it. If we humble ourselves, he will exalt us in due time. It's sure much easier when God exalts us. There's a scripture in Matthew 23, verse 12. Jesus says this, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. You hear what I just said here? Don't exalt yourself. Because if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Right? So I got to make sure I go down to go up. Okay? Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It looks to me like God's in charge of this. See, if I exalt myself, I'm going to be humble. God's going to make sure things, the course of things are going to happen to bring me back down to where I'm supposed to be. The Bible says that we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. So I got to make sure I stay in a place. There are places you read in, in, in the, uh, the story in Luke where Jesus says the same thing in the book of Luke. And he, he couples it with a parable of a, a story of a man who was invited to a feast. And it says, it's like a man walks into the feast and he goes into the, sits on the highest seat in the feast. Takes the most prominent place in the feast. He said, only to have the, the guy who's hosting the feast say, no, no, you come on down and sit down here. There's somebody, somebody more important than you that's going to sit up there. So he said, what you do is make sure you take the lowest seat. He said, it's better for you to take the lowest seat and be invited up than to take the highest seat and then be booted down. Are y'all catch what Jesus is saying to us? So take the low places. Don't try to exalt yourself, yourself and make yourself out to be all that. God knows how to do that himself. God is in charge. Tell your neighbor, God is in charge. Put on the screen for me Psalm 75, Psalm number 75. 
And let's look at verses 5 through 7. Psalm 75, verse 5 through 7. I want you to know that God is in charge. God is in charge. I've got to humble myself. I don't want him to him to humble me down. I, I rather, you know, it's, as, as a pastor, and even as a, back when I was a minister, an elder, uh, before I was pastoring, you know, people around town, they know who I am. I've preached places, and, you know, I've been in church my whole life. So, you know, you preach places and people know who you are. You walk into a church and they see you as a, piece, as a pastor. The first thing they want to do is you go, come on, come on, sit up front. Sit up. Come on, come on, sit in the pulpit. And I Because I don't need to sit up front. I, I'm, I know who I am. I don't have to be in a pulpit. <laughs> you understand? I, I, don't, I don't make my position who I am. You see? Glory to God. No, I'll stay right here. I'm good. Hallelujah. I'm good right back here. I'm just here to listen. I'm here to learn. I'm here to receive. Glory to God. So in Psalm 75, verse uh, 5 through 7, it says, Do not lift up your horn on high. Don't, don't be tooting your own horn. Talking big talk about who you are. And do not speak with a stiff neck. In other words, this is who I am. You better honor me. Be flexible. Be flexible. Not a stiff neck. Be flexible. Let God move things around in your life. Don't you try to do it for yourself. Y'all got it? Can I keep going? Verse 6. For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west, nor from the south. Y'all know that King James has promotion. Right? But I'm using New King James, so y'all follow and listen to me. Exaltation comes, that's what promotion is, from, not from the east or west or from the south. In other words, it's not down here. Verse uh, 7. But God is the judge. God is the judge. God is the judge. God is the judge. He puts down one, come on, and exalts another. Now, that means, if for us to say, for the Bible to say God is a judge, tells us that his putting down and his exaltation is based on his judgment of us. Y'all didn't like that. It's based on how he judges us. God don't judge. Yes, God does judge. He judges who is ready to be exalted and who needs to be brought down. God is a judge. Tell your neighbor, God is a judge. God knows not only who, but he knows when. He knows how to judge when it's time to bring somebody down and when it's time to bring you up. Don't rush God. You can't hurry God. You just have to wait. Y'all say y'all remember the old song. You can't hurry God. You just have to wait. That means you got to wait on his judgment. I have news for you. God has already judged in our favor. Woo-wee. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Um, in Daniel chapter 7, I love this here. Daniel chapter 7. Hallelujah. 
Verse 21. Verse 21. Remember, God is a judge here. Daniel says in the, from the vision, I was watching, and the same horn, that's the enemy, was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. It looks like that's what's happening right now. Until God, the judge, the angel of days came, and a judgment was made, come on, in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. So God knows who? He's a judge, and God knows when, because he's a judge. And I have news for you, God knows how. See, now, I don't know how many of y'all have ever been to court and had a judgment made in your favor. Sometimes when the judgment is made, there's a time delay between the time the judgment is made and the time it's carried out. So I'm telling you that God has already made the judgment in your favor, and now it's a matter of time for that judgment to be executed. And I don't know if you're checking out what's going on or if you have any sensitivity in the Holy Ghost, but I kind of get a feeling that God is saying the time is now. That what I have already judged, what I have already determined, I've been watching those who've been walking in humility. I've been watching those who've been exalting themselves. And I'm about to flip the script on everybody. Those who've been the first, Jesus said the first shall be last and the last, come on, shall be first. God is a judge. Not the government. Oh, y'all better catch that. Not, not, not the general manager on your job. Put that back on the screen. Psalm 75, verse 7. Psalm 75, verse 7. Oh, boy. You got to know this here. Don't worry. You ain't got to brown nose with anybody. You ain't got to kiss up to anybody. And you don't have to feel like I'm not, I'm not going to get my shot. Because God is a judge. God knows how to move that manager, that advisor, that superintendent. He knows how to get people out of the way who've been holding you up. Some of you, you got passed over for jobs, passed over for positions, passed over for promotions, and you worry like it ain't never going to happen. Yes, it will. Well, how you know? God is a judge. He sits high, and he looks low. He knows what they've been doing. I trained them, and how they got promoted over me? It's just temporary. I wish I had somebody here know what I'm talking about. Just temporary. Okay. So God knows when and how to exalt you because he's a judge. And when he does it, you never, never have to sacrifice your integrity and your honesty and your dignity. I keep telling you that. See, but if you exalt yourself, you got to sacrifice something. Okay. And he knows when. So let's go back to our main scripture here. Ecclesiastes 3. And verse 11, because it says he has made everything beautiful in its time. So God knows what time, what season, what the most opportune time is to exalt you. Thank you, Holy Ghost. You know, as a parent, you know when it's time to let your kids drive. 
Well, now some of y'all don't know because some of y'all let your kids drive at 10, 11, 12 years old. Breaking the law. There ain't nothing wrong with the child, something wrong with you. But you got to know when it's time. When they can handle certain things. When, when you, you got to know when, this, when you can trust your child with a key to the house. I better come back over here. Because they didn't say nothing over here. They got it. Over here they didn't get it. You, you can't just give them a, give a three-year-old key to the house. They'll go sharing it with strangers. I got a key. I got a key. Three-year-old, you put $50 bill in their hand, and somebody come with, 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 with five ones and say, I'll trade you my five for your one. And your little three-year-old child will do it. Yeah, okay. I got five monies, and you got one money. They have no clue what the value is. You see? There are some things that they're not able. Jesus, Jesus told his disciples, he said, he said there, there are many things I want to tell you, but you are not able to handle them right now. But when the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to teach you all these things. You see? So God knows when we're ready to handle the promotion that he's bringing us into. But he's already judging in your favor. He's already judged in your favor. He's already predetermined that you are going to be exalted as long as you're humble. And we're working on that, aren't we? I said we're working on that, aren't we? Hallelujah. Okay, so Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says he has made everything beautiful in its time. Okay? All right, now let's keep going here. I want to look at verse 12, and we'll pick up from there. I know that nothing is better for them, this is for man, than to rejoice, to do good in their lives. And also that every man should eat, this men and women, everybody, should eat and drink and enjoy all the good of his labor, it is the gift of God. Isn't that wonderful? That God says, it's the gift from me for you to eat and drink and enjoy the good of your labor. It's evil if you don't get to enjoy the good of your labor. You work hard and don't get to enjoy it. That, that's the evil under the sun. It tells us that in the book of Ecclesiastes. That's an evil on the sun if you don't get to, get to enjoy what God has given you. Okay? Now, verse 14. I know that whatever God does, it shall be, come on, forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. So you want to make sure God does it. You want to make sure whatever that's happening, God is doing it. God does it that men should fear before him. All right, now let's look at this key scripture here, verse 15. That which is has already been, and what is to be has already been, and God requires an account of what is past. That which is, what's current, has already been. Are y'all listening to me today? That which is has already been. And that which is to be has already been. Boy, catch this. And God requires an account of what is past. 
Okay? This is good here. I, I was going to name this, in fact, we can subtitle this media, Back to the Future. Because this is what it is, Back to the Future, to that what, which, that which is, has already been. You ever tell your kids something like, child, you trying to get over on me? You, you, know, you know I was 19, right? I wasn't born 49. I, I, you know I used to be 13. I've been here before. You know, you understand? I've, I've been here longer than you. I, there's nothing new under the sun. Did you hear that? There's nothing, this is what Ecclesiastes says. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Got it? Thank you, Lord. That which is has already been. And what is to be? This is what I want you to see here. Back to the future. And what is to be has already been. So what's coming has already been. And God requires an account of what is past. Now let's look at another, another translation here. Let's look at this in the KJV, the King James Version. King James Version, same verse. You just, this just adds the Shakespearean English to it here. But it, it says something, I want you to see the last line. It says, that which hath been is now. And that which is to be hath already been. Okay, so that which has been is now. Which has been is now. And that which is to be has already been. And God, here's what, what I want you to see, requires that which is past. God requires that which is past. How many of y'all know that God lives in the now? That God, it, God is not Stuck in time. Oh, man. Time was not created for God. Time was created for man. In fact, before Adam sinned, there was no time on the earth. Y'all confused. Before Adam sinned, there was no time on the earth. Right? Well, even in the morning of the first day, even more on the second day, okay, days. But Adam was born into eternity there would have been no end to time. You had a, a rotation, but not an end to time. Once Adam sinned, now we got trapped, men got trapped into time. But God does not live in time. Dr. Miles Monroe used to say it like this, God didn't start when start got started, God started start. God didn't begin when the beginning began. God began the beginning. He's not in time. God is in still the past, the present, and the future at the same time. Which means God is so awesome. He has the power in order to fix your noun to deal with something in your past at the same time. 
and already have things worked out for your future all at the same time and never get up off his chair. That which hath been is now and that which is to be hath already been and God requires, requires that which is past. So when we look at the past, we see what God now is going to require. Can I keep going here? Give me the Amplified Classic. Amplified Classic. Let's let it amp it up for us here. It says, that which is now already has been. And that which is to be already has been. And God seeks that which has passed by so that history repeats itself. Are y'all getting this here? You see, so when I read earlier Luke, uh, Leviticus 20, 24 about you inheriting their land. Oh, that was just back then. No, God's going to require everything to repeat itself. He wants us to look back at what we saw happen then to know what he's going to bring to pass now. So that history, come on, repeats itself. Everything I saw God did in the word that he did in the word for us. I have an expectation that is going to repeat itself. Okay, let's go to one more. The Living Bible, please. The Living Bible. Whatever is, has been long ago. And whatever is going to be, has been before. God brings to pass again what was in the distant past and disappeared. Oh, boy. He brings to pass again what was in the distant past and disappeared. Now, let me ask you a question. Can you find Eden? No. You know why? Because it was in the distant past. It's disappeared. It's gone. But God brings to pass. He's requiring what is past in the now. I don't know if that excites three people in here, but it excites me. That God His truth endures to all generations. His word will not fail. And God's going to make sure he brings to pass his intention that he had in the beginning. Because no devil in hell is going to stop God's plan, stop God's program. So if God spoke it in eternity past, and it might have manifested in the ancient of days, but God's going to make sure he brings it back again in our time. Because he requires that which is past. Are y'all seeing this here? So, so then, if I, if I look back at, if I look behind me, okay, far enough, if I look at the people that God has put in the past and what he's done in their lives, then I see my future. 
Are y'all, are y'all getting this here? Y'all, is anybody getting what I'm saying to you? If I, if I look back far enough, if I look to the right place and the right people and the right examples, then I see my future because God requires that which is past. God has not let go of his plan. God has not let go of his promise. God has not let go of his determined plan for the earth. What he planned for man, what he planned for Adam to have, which was dominion over the whole earth, for him to subdue it, to have dominion over it, for him to replenish it, for him to make it full again, he did not change his plan. That's why, thank you, Holy Ghost, that's why Adam is called the first Adam. Jesus Christ is called the last Adam because although the first Adam blew it, God still required that which is past. So he sent Jesus Christ, the last Adam, to bring it back. Because I got to have it. He calls him the last Adam to take us back to God's original plan for mankind. That which was in the distant past and disappeared. Go back to the New King James Version. He requires an account of what is past. Are y'all getting this here? So I gotta, I gotta make sure I'm looking to the right place. Are you here today? I gotta look and see what my future is supposed to look like. Thank you, Lord. You know, you know the Bible says that um, the glory of children is their father. The Bible it starts out by saying the glory of a man is his children's children. In other words, if you're a man, you're an aged man, you, your, your glory is your grandchildren. But it says the glory of children is their father. That means the children are supposed to look behind them and get a picture of where they're going. Y'all hear me fathers, you hear me dads? Your children was to look behind them, look at you, and get a picture of where they're going. Now listen, if you, some of y'all, your dad is in jail, or he died too young, or you know, doing the wrong thing, whatever, no, scrap that, look past that. Because I want to show you who to look at. Looking unto Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now set at the right hand of God. You see? So he has to tell us what to look at and what not to look at. Y'all got a few more minutes today? I feel like I'm just getting started, but uh, hallelujah. Who not to look at? In Luke 17, 32, Jesus said something. I want you to, it's three words, three powerful words that Jesus wrote. He said, remember Lot's wife. Y'all remember the little play we had a few, few weeks of the skit? Lot's wife turning a pillow of salt. Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. Three, three simple words. He's talking to them about how they live, about 
being entangled with the world, he says, hey, remember Lot's wife. Help me out. Tell your neighbor, remember Lot's wife. Now, before you go looking back to the world, before you go looking back to what God's bringing you out of, before you run back to, to sin, before you run back to all your mess, remember Lot's wife. God's trying to bring you out. God's trying to bring you through. God's trying to take you out of here. God's trying to deliver you. Remember Lot's wife. Don't go back there. Don't look back there. Give, give me the for context. Give me the next verse on this verse 33. Remember Lot's wife. Give, give me the next verse. Can you do that? I, I caught him off guard with that, but just they'll, they'll get it. Notice what he says. He says, remember Lot's wife? And he says this right after that. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. In other words, Lot's wife was trying to hold on to that other life she had back there. Somebody holler, ain't nothing back there for me. I apologize, that's bad English. That's real, that's very improper English. But ain't nothing back there for me. Nothing back there but death and destruction. It was sin and it was immorality. You know, Lot's wife, if you don't know Lot's wife, Lot was delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah. A sinful place. And, and he had to, the angels had to snatch him out because he was, was kind of him hawing about it. Angels had to grab him and come on, Lot, come, because God's about to destroy that city. Lot's wife going along, you know, okay, she thinking about, but look at the house we built back there. And I had all kind of dishes and I had all kind of, I had the best stuff back there. And, you know, and she moved along. She, she, she thought about all her friends she used to hang with and all her girlfriends. They was used to do brunch and all that kind of stuff. And she messed around and looked back. She looked back to all that mess. The Bible says it's like a dog returning to his vomit. She looked back to all that mess because she's trying to save her life. She's trying to keep her life. I like that life. So remember Lot's wife. Glory to God. Don't be that chick. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. I won't go back. I can't go back to the way it used to be before your presence came and changed. Come on. See, I'm, I can't go back. What am I going back to? Sin? Foolishness? Filth? Shame? That's, that's a message by itself. Remember Lot's wife. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody preach that, but one of y'all preach that for me. Remember Lot's wife. Isn't it funny? Because we even, even back in the book of Genesis, we never knew her name. Jesus knew, Jesus, you know, he knows all things. He knew her name. He still didn't call her name. <laughs> she still didn't even get an honorable mention. He just said Lot's wife. 
So I got to make sure I don't look at the wrong people. Now, can I, can I get, take a little more on this here? Again, we'll keep going Wednesday night. I just, I don't know how, much, how long. Okay, I, oh, good time, good time. Okay, okay. Um, go to 1 Corinthians 10. Because I want to make sure we, all, we still know what, what to not follow. Because we don't want a repeat of that history. See, they, they say if you, know, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. So there's some history that we're supposed to learn from. Some we look to. Some history, I don't want to repeat that. I don't want to do that. If you saw, you know, you know what, what people call generational curses aren't always generational curses? You know, sometimes it's just generational tendencies. It's just repeating. In other words, if you saw that your granddaddy was an alcoholic, drank seven days a week, ten hours a day, liver went bad, every everything, end up beating his wife, I mean, just all that kind of stuff, you know, and you are now, then your daddy now does the same thing. Now, it's not a generational curse. It's a tendency. It's, it's, he, he didn't learn. So some got a, got a strike in your mind. You got to have the bright idea, brother. I saw what happened to my granddaddy and Uncle Junebug and P. Heffy and everybody. You know, I'm calling his name. I'm, I want to call him by the family names like that. Yo, oh, you have an uncle named June? Oh. Well, I, don't, I, never, I never met P. Heffy. I'm sorry. He must have been in jail or something, P.F. No? Okay. But if I, if I learn from them, I got to say, I'm not going to repeat their behavior. I don't want that history to repeat itself in my generation. I'm going to be a good father. I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to be a good grandfather. I'm going to be a provider and a, and a protector and priest over my house. Prophet to my family. Okay? P-R-O-P-H-E-T. All right? Prophet. But we could also say a P-R-O-F-I-T too. Don't want to be a burden to our families. Amen? So in 1 Corinthians 10, now I'm going to read quite a bit here. 1 Corinthians 10, I'm going to start at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. Now, he's referencing the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. They followed the cloud, all right, cloud by day, fire by night, and they all passed through the sea. Which sea? Red Sea, very good class. He says, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Notice that the Bible typifies the passage of the Red Sea as a baptism. Okay? Verse 3. Verse 3. All ate. Y'all see that? All were baptized. All ate the same spiritual food. Angels' food. And all drank 
the same spiritual drink. For they drank, or we can imply all drank, of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was who? Christ. Christ. Verse 5, verse 5. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, remember what, what we just read. They all passed through the sea. They were all under the cloud. They were all baptized. They were all eating the same spiritual food, all drinking the same spiritual drink. They all drank from that rock that followed them. That was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. In other words, he wasn't pleased because they did not make it into the promised land. They died in the wilderness. Verse 6. I want you to see this. Now these things became our examples. Now, help me out here. When we read verse 1 through 5, this is a reference to the Old Testament saints, the Old Testament, the children of Israel. But 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament. After the cross, in the dispensation of grace. I got to help you here. Because these people that we wrote about were under the law. Now, he's writing to people that are under the dispensation of grace. And I'm telling you that because there are people today in the church who teach that because we are under grace, then the same penalties, the same consequences that they endured do not apply to us. But I want us to read the Bible. Let's read the Bible. Verse 6. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So he says they were written so we would, so don't do what they did. Well, we we under grace. We under grace. I don't care if you're under grace. Don't do what they did. Verse seven, and do not become idolaters, as were some of them. They oh they yes they did. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Verse eight, nor let us commit sexual. Immorality, as some of them did, and in one day, 23,000 fell. I mean, God took this pretty seriously. Oh, but we're under grace. We're under grace. God doesn't have the same way. He's not, not going to have the same kind of punishment. Well, why in the world would the Holy Ghost tell us this thing? He says, verse 8 again, nor let us commit sexual morality as some of them did and in one day 23,000 fell. Verse 9, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. Stop complaining. God, when you don't, God, it ain't fair. God, when it's going to be God, when you ain't feeding us. God, when you're going to bring us the water. God, when you're going to give us some manna. God, when you're going to give us, when you're going to, As some of them also complain, and were destroyed by the destroyer. So we see, I mean, these people getting, getting towed up. Torn up, I'm sorry. I mean, there are 23,000 fell in one day, snakes biting them. 
the destroyer destroying them? Verse 11, here it is. Now all these things happen to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. Now, for him to write this to us, to the modern church, to the, to the church of Corinth, is to say, don't do what they did. Because if you do what they did, you'll get the same thing they got. See, in the modern church, we've abandoned holiness and godliness and walking with God and obeying his word and I can just do what I, what I feel and what I want to do. But he said, no, 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 no. You don't want this history to repeat itself. Are y'all getting this here? So look at that and learn. Look at that and learn. Hallelujah. Let me keep going here. I got a few minutes here. Oh, this is good. Give me verse 11 in the easy to read version. Verse 11 in the easy to read version. This is for all the grace people. The things that happen to those people are examples. They were written to be warnings for us. Why would they have to warn us if there was no danger to us. They were written to be warnings for us. We live in the time that all those past histories were pointing to. That's why Jesus said, when Jesus was, the, the disciples would be asking him, hey, how are we going to know when the end of days is when you're coming? And he said things like, as it was in the days of Noah. So it, was, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. Or he'll say, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. See, he kept pointing to the past. The days of Noah. You know what happened in the days of Noah? They were in all kind of sin, and God wiped the whole planet out. Except Noah and his family. Days of Sodom and Gomorrah, he said it will be just like that, and he wiped out the whole city and all the region around, except for Lot and his family. Well, Lot and his two daughters, because the wife looked back. Right? Lot's wife looked back. She missed it. In fact, Lot's son-in-laws, right? The sons-in-law, because his daughter, too, they're they like, no, we ain't going. They, no. And they, they, they got destroyed. Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, it'll be just like that day. Y'all better wake up. So it's written for our examples. Don't do that. Somebody tell your neighbor, don't do that. Don't get into sin. Don't get into immorality. Don't get into idolatry. Because we are the end time age. We live in the time that all those past histories were pointing to. We, we are living in the culmination of times. Where God wants to bring the glorious past back into the now. All right? Let me, let me keep trucking here. Okay, so who not to look at? But let's, let's go back to who, who to look at. Let's go back to Psalm 37, verse 37. We saw that Wednesday night, Psalm 37 and verse 37. Hallelujah. And the Bible tells us what kind of person to look at. Does it not? 
It says here, let me get to it. Mark the blameless man and observe who? Mark the what kind of man? And observe the who? For the future of that man is peace. So mark the blameless. Remember that word blameless to talk about being perfect and complete, being morally innocent, morally and ethically pure. Right? That's the blameless person. Don't look at the guy because he's got all the stuff and he's, you know, the lady's got all the, you know, you know, she training everything and she, you know, whatever. I'm gonna help y'all. Some of y'all, some of y'all used to be looking at Trick Daddy and Trina like they was a hat guy. I better modernize it. Some of my Nicki Minaj and Cardi B and Lil Nas X. Oh, y'all saying no, but these kids, they know about Lil Nas X and Cardi B. These are the ones that they're, they're glamorizing. Amen. Hallelujah. We pray that they all get saved. Let them all get saved, Jesus. Deliver, because they're trapped in darkness. They don't know it. They think, they think they're fine. They're just trapped in darkness. So we're supposed to mark the blameless man and observe the upright because the future of that man is peace, which implies that people who are not blameless and upright, their future is not of peace. Their future is not of prosperity. Okay, that word peace is the, uh, comes from the Hebrew word uh, shalom, which means completeness and soundness and welfare, peace, Safety, health and, health, and prosperity. Okay? So, that's who you look at. Because remember what we're talking about here. God requires that which is past. When I look at the right people, I see where my future is going. James 5 verse 11 says this. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seeing the end intended by the Lord. I don't know if y'all caught that. I don't know if y'all caught that. Oh, let, let me just read the whole verse. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. Isn't that right? You have heard of the perseverance, or King James says the patience of Job and seeing Look at this, the end intended by the Lord. Okay, now if you go, because the, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful, okay? So the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So when we look at Job, yes, we see the end intended by the Lord. So when you look at Job's life, and we're, we're going to look at it here in our last couple of minutes, you see how his life was going along. Chapter 1, chapter 2, how things begin to fall apart. By chapter 3, they're, talk, they're, they're talking, you know, crazy stuff now. But chapter 42, you see the end intended by the Lord. And I'll show you that here in a moment, but I want to throw this out ahead of time. That you see the end intended by the Lord. Not just Job's end, but the end intended by by the Lord. You're not catching it. When I look back at Job's story, 
how his life turned out, we see the end. The Bible said the end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. Oh God, though your beginning be small, your latter end, your latter end shall greatly increase. The Bible says in the, in the book of Ecclesiastes it says um, that the end of a thing is better than the beginning thereof. Don't have any Bible people in here. The end of a thing is better than the beginning. So it doesn't matter how you began. It's the end that God has in mind for you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. To give you a future, to give you a hope, to give you an expected end. So God has a big finish in store. Yeah, you, ever, you ever see a Broadway play or a musical or whatever? They always keep on building up to the big finish. A song, they're going to build up to the big finish. And they have all kind of drama and, and, and issues in the play to build this, 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 this uh, uh, anticipation and this, oh, this feeling. All to set you up to show you, to give you the big finish in the end. Trying to show you have a bright future because God has a big finish in store for you. I wish I had a couple people who. Uh, I'm headed for a big finish. I'm headed for a big finish. Because if I look at Job's life, I see the end intended by the Lord. Put up Job 1. Job 1, real quick. Hurry up. Job 1. I got a couple minutes left here. Job 1. You know, I realize everybody's not going to grab a hold of this, but I'm praying that you will. Because you've got to have a capacity and a hunger to receive what God is saying. Hallelujah. And I pray that you develop that. In Job 1, this is, this is the early on in the story. There was a man in the land of us whose name was what? And that man was blameless and upright. Remember marking the blameless, observing the upright, right? And one who feared God and shunned evil. Notice these characteristics of Job. Blameless, upright, feared God, shunned evil, stayed away from it. Glory to God. Seven sons, three daughters. Verse 3, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. This man was the greatest. He's the greatest of all the people in his whole region. In the east. This would be the eastern part of the world. The western world was not developed. Nobody's there. Uh, Job comes before Abraham. Though we see where this book lies, Job was on the earth before Abraham. Glory to God. We'll look at Abraham Wednesday, but Job was before Abraham. Job set a precedence for Abraham. Abraham had something to look back to. Good God he was the greatest of all the people of the East. Look at verse, verse 8. I want to make sure I throw this in because we saw he was blameless, upright, feared God, and shunned evil. But look at verse 8. 
The Lord said to him, have you considered my who? Servant. So notice he was also God's servant. Here's five qualifiers that'll help you rise to become the greatest. Oh God, blameless, upright, fear God, shun evil, and be a servant. You can't help but be prosperous. You can't help but be raised up. You can't help but be, but be exalted if you fear God. Be blameless, upright, shun evil, and be a servant. Are you seeing that here? Okay, now look at, look at chapter 42, because remember, we see the end intended. The end intended. Why God even allowed the devil to mess with Job. God could have stopped it, but God allowed it. Job set, he set the course when he talked about all the things he was fearing, right? But God allowed it. God, God said, okay, Satan, you can do this, but you can't do this. Okay, you can touch this, but you can't touch this. So God allowed it. Can we agree on that, faith people? God allowed it. But let's say the end he intended. Verse, uh, chapter 42 and verse, uh, verse 10. Verse 10. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, as a matter of fact, this is what indeed means. As a matter of fact, the Lord gave Job, help me out of here, twice as much as he had before. Oh, can I keep reading? All his brothers and all his sisters and those who had been his acquaintance came before him, came to him and ate food with him in the house. Now they finally come around him. Before they wouldn't come anywhere around him. And they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him, really what it should say the Lord allowed upon him. Okay? Each one, all those who wouldn't go around him, who couldn't stand him when he was going through his trial, each one brought him some money and a gold ring. I mean, can you imagine how he was blinging, boy? Mr. T, you know what I'm talking about? Verse 12. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Now we're seeing the end that God intended. And I'm prophesying to you the end that God has intended. Notice that the Bible said that God restored to Job double twice as much as he had before so I'm prophesying to you that God in the end you're going to receive a restoration of double everything you've lost everything that's been that's been broken everything that's been stolen God's going to restore double back into your life if you stay with it if you stick with God if you don't turn back if you keep on looking to your future God has a bright future in store for you give God a shout about that Remember now what we read, Ecclesiastes 3.15, Ecclesiastes 3.15, God requires, in the kingdom it says God requires that which is past. So what we saw for Job, the end that the Lord intended, God's requiring that which is past to come into your now. 
that which is has already been and that which is to be has already been. So what God's going to bring into your is to be has already been. So the same way God restored Job double, that has already been. God's going to bring into your now what has already been. So you can expect God to give you double for all your trouble, double for all your shame, double for all your pain, double for all your persecution, double for all the stress, double for all the sickness, double for all the mess, double for all your friends walking out on you, double for all your family putting you down, double, 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 says the Lord. I'm done for today. Put up Zechariah. Put up Zechariah 9 verse 12. Put up Zechariah 9 verse 12. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Do anybody feel like you, you've been in prison? Like the devil's been trying to hold you and strangle you down. But just because you're a prisoner, don't lose your hope. Man, who am I talking to here? Don't lose your hope. The devil might try to hold you back, but he can't stop you. He says, return to the stronghold. Your stronghold is the word of God. Your stronghold is your faith in God. Your stronghold is the name of Jesus. Your stronghold is the blood of the lamb. Your stronghold is your praise. Your stronghold is your worship. Your stronghold is your thanksgiving. Return to the stronghold. Somebody tell your neighbor, get back on your praise. Get back on your shout. Get back on your thanksgiving. Get back on your worship. Get back in the word. Get back in prayer. Get back in fasting. Get back. Get back. Get back. Even today. Somebody shout today. I want you to help me. How many prophets, prophets do I have in this house? Everybody, if you're in this house, you got a prophetic anointing on you right now. Turn, find somebody who looked like they've been going through hell and high water. And say, may I prophesy to you today? I'm going to prophesy what the Lord said. Even today, I declare my God will restore double Thank you, Holy Ghost. There are things that were stolen from your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents. Things they lost trying to work and trying to make things happen. And God says, I'm requiring this day everything that was passed, I'm requiring the past to come into your now and into your future. Things from past 
in America, they're worried about talking about reparations. Reparations? That ain't nothing. I'm talking about God bringing Eden. God bringing Eden back into your life. God making the Garden of Eden happen in your life. Bringing you back into luxury and pleasure and delight because you and God was allowing you to go through your mess, you didn't quit. You didn't stop. You didn't draw back. You didn't turn in. You didn't turn in the towel. You didn't throw in the towel. You didn't turn around. You kept going. You kept your faith. You kept your faith. You kept your praise. You kept your shout. You might have cried. You might have cried sometimes, but you didn't quit. James 5.11 back on the screen. James 5.11. James 5.11. I got 10 seconds. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. When I look at Job's life, I see the end intended. God has good intentions for you. God has big plans for your life. God's not going to let you stay down there and keep going through and stay in this battle and he not bring you out because he is compassionate and he's merciful. And that's how he's going to restore double to you. How many of y'all in here, you ever lost something that was precious? God said, I'm going to restore double. I'm going to restore double. I'm going to restore double. Zechariah 9, 12. Just return to the stronghold. Get back on the good foot, we call it. Get back in your praise. I know it's hard, but you got you to gotta sometimes yet praise the Lord. Anybody here ever had a yet praise? I'm going through trouble right now, but I got a yet praise. I don't feel like it, but I got a yet praise. Everything's falling around down me, but around me, but I got a yet praise. That yet praise is my stronghold. I don't lose my mind. I don't lose my sanity. I don't lose sight on what God has said to me. My present doesn't look like what God showed me. But he's not done with me yet. He's getting me to my expected end. Though friends may forsake me, family may let me down, yet I will rejoice. In the Lord, the hope of my salvation. He's the hope of my salvation. He's the hope of my salvation. I will rejoice in the Lord, the hope of my salvation. 
It's all over this room. Lift those hands up. Just lift those hands up to him real high, real high. High as you can, high as you can. Just let him know, Lord, I just receive. Lord, I receive. I'm in expectation. You've got a great plan for my life. I receive restoration. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 3, right around verse 21, somewhere around there, I think it is, it says Jesus Christ has been received up into heaven. And he's staying there until the times of restoration of all things. See? So God's going to restore all things. And then Jesus Christ is going to come. Whatever you lost is going to be restored. Whatever you gave up is going to be restored. Whatever you sacrifice. Oh, God. In Mark 10, right around verse 29 and 30, it says, No man who's left house, land, a father, a mother, a wife, or children, for my sake in the gospel, who were not received, now in this time, a hundredfold. Thank you, I don't know what you had to walk away from to serve God. See, some of y'all, you, you, you were born into a family like that, but some of y'all had to walk away from some things. Some of you had to walk away from some people to serve God. And people don't understand why you praise like you praise, why you cry like you cry, why you worship the way you worship, why you are the way you are, but... They don't know what you had to sacrifice. But, but today I declare I will restore double to you. Just, just thank the Lord right now. Just thank him. Just thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank you, Lord, for my glorious future. Thank you, Lord, for my bright future I have in store. Thank you, Lord, that my present is not a sum total of my, of my life where I'm going to be. Thank you, Lord, that you're not done with me. You're working on things. You're preparing me for something I can't handle right now. You're preparing me for something I can't handle right now. You're getting me ready for something in my life I can't handle yet. Oh, God, but I'm going to keep on going and believing and trusting you, Lord, that where you're taking me, where you're leading me, what you'll do in me, what you'll do for me, and yes, even what you'll do through me will be great in my latter end. the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. The end of a thing is better than the beginning thereof. Though your beginning be small, yet your latter end will greatly increase. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to grab that hand of somebody next to you and just squeeze it. That's a fellow prisoner.
of hope. And I want you who have a lot of hope and abundance of hope, just squeeze some hope into that person. Just when you squeeze them, let them know that you're going to make it. I'm already a living witness of what God can do. I'm already a living witness of God of what God can do. He's already brought me a mighty long way. He's already done so much in my life. He's already turned so many things around in my life. Oh, it's already. Now, as you're holding their hand, I want you to just take a moment and just pray for them. I want you to pray that all their hope is restored. That their faith is strengthened. That they become fully persuaded that what God has promised, he is also able to perform. That God will never come short of his promises. That God's word will never fail. And that God won't fail them. I know they've been through a lot, but God will not fail them. Oh God, God look at your people, Father look at your people, these are, are the non-quitters, they've not quit, they've not drawn back, they've not relaxed, they are moving forward, they are going on in you Lord, see their faith, see their perseverance Father, see their patience, like Job. See them, Lord. Our trust is in you, Lord. That you're taking us all the way. We trust you, Lord. To restore. We trust you, Lord. Things from generations past. Back to our forefathers in Africa, in Europe, in Asia, wherever they have been, Lord. We go all the way back to Abraham and Job, back to Adam. Thank you, Father, that you know how to restore and replenish. And we know you will do it. Wow. Restore. Restore. Everything has been snatched. You said if a thief be found, he has to restore sevenfold. He may have to give up his whole house. God, we speak and declare right now the thief. The devil has been found. Everything he's stolen must be returned seven times. Sevenfold. Sevenfold. We even declare right now he has to give up his whole house. To the people of God.
that peace that was stolen. Those nights of sleep that have been stolen. That health that's been stolen. That marriage that's been stolen. That child that's been stolen. That inheritance that was stolen. That innocence that was stolen. Restore. Restore. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're the God of all restoration. You said in your word in Isaiah 61, Lord, that instead of shame, we will have double honor. You said that, Lord, we shall possess the double. So we declare today that we shall possess the double according to your word. That what you did for Job, as an example, we know you'll do for us. We receive it. We believe it. And we know it is so. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Put those hands together and give God a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.